Excellent touch. I thought that was great. Well, at the end, well, that was uh, in Game Seven when Aaron Boone hit the home run. I remember the uh, the announcer went up to uh, it wasn't Brad Boone obviously, but he went up to Aaron and said, uh, first he said, the first thing he said wrong was, um, "How do you feel uh, for winning the World Series?" And the second thing he said was, uh, "He called him Brett Boone." Ah, oh, well, that, awesome. that pretty much summed it up. And on that note, we're gonna wrap this show up. So thank you for listening to the first. Extra Points show of the year. Remember, every Monday, 6 o'clock, and we'll be back on the air Friday night at 7 for Game of the Week. For Scooter Montgomery, Jeff Monahan, and Rob Solomon, Steve Schuster did the engineering. I'm Ted Pickus. Good night, and go blue. Welcome to another WCBN Sports production here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Penny, back to pass. Blitz is coming, gets it away, and it's caught by Edwards. He streaks across and scores the touchdown. Braylon Edwards into the end zone again, and the Wolverines have put the points on the board. Will await the extra point, but the pressure now squarely on the shoulder of the Michigan State. WCBN in Ann Arbor. A square, y'all. This is Jake and Jake at WBTN. John Ted. At WCBN. WBTN. <laughs> I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan, man. Ann Arbor, oh! Yeah, I was there during the 60s when the universe made something. Shaky Jake's on the move. Maybe Donald Rumsfeld will join him soon. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And if you hurry, you can uh, still probably catch Dr. John down there at Hart Plaza. Oh, uh, were you over there this afternoon? I was there uh, the last night, uh, but he's headlining. Actually, he's not in Hart Plaza. He's up at the stage up in Grand Circus Park, so look for him up there if you're uh, so inclined. Lovely weather for such uh, an outing. Yeah, it's not too hot, not too cold, uh, even though it seems like we've had sort of a early fall this year. In any event, uh, because it's Labor Day, we'll probably talk a little bit about the state of American workers. We'll certainly give out a brain damage award right off the bat to uh, Radio Shack. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, apparently uh, they laid off 400 people by email last oh, week. Uh, no way to conduct business. So we'll give them a brain damage award right off the bat. And certainly we can talk about uh, Donald Rumsfeld. He's, uh, of course, back in the news throwing around uh, the word fascism. 
a new type of fascism. <laughs> right. And uh, it's Talk remarkable. About the pot calling the <laughs> Indeed. kettle black. How people like Rumsfeld can say the things they say without choking on them. Uh, the irony, I mean, it really speaks to the man's vacuousness, I think, that uh, he's drinking a whole lot of coffee or something and is just all wound up, and they just kind of spin him and off he goes. Because um, it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Yeah, and this notion that somehow um, Islamic terrorists are com comparable to the fascist uh, regimes of uh, Italy and Germany um, of the 20th century is ludicrous. I mean, these were major industrialized nations. States. States. I mean, Germany was the number two economic power at the turn of the century, uh, and that was last century. Uh, surpassing Britain in terms of economic power and only behind America. Um, terrorism is certainly a problem, but it in no way, shape, or form uh, is anywhere comparable to the problems of World War II. And it's really outrageous for the GOP to be assuming somehow that uh, the policies that were in place before the invasion of Iraq in any way, shape, or form were comparable to appeasement. Um, for one thing, people forget Neville Chamberlain actually was the Prime Minister of Britain when Britain declared war on Germany in 1939 in response to Poland. Indeed, appeasement was part of Neville Chamberlain's policy regarding the so-called Sudetenland issue and the um, annexation of that, what was at the time Czechoslovakia, the Czech territory, whatever, uh, by Germany. Um, but there was a limit drawn on what Germany could do next. Um, so appeasement is simply not comparable to what was going on uh, regarding uh, American foreign policy with respect to Iraq uh, from, say, the period of 1991 to 2003. Uh, Britain and the United States operated no-fly zones. Uh, there were frequent bombings of Iraq during that period. There were UN sanctions. Uh, there were weapons inspectors in Iraq uh, before the war started. Uh, Saddam Hussein allowed them in. And in fact, they had actually destroyed some of Saddam Hussein's missiles uh, in late 2002 and 2003. So in no way, shape, or form um, did these uh, policies compare to one another. And in no way, shape, or form do the threats uh, compare to one another. And it is, is of course something that's obviously taken out of a Karl Rove playbook for George Bush's pathetic standings in the polls, part of which are related to Iraq, but part of which are related to the anemic state of the American economy and uh, Bush's low approval ratings in that area. So Donald Rumsfeld and George Bush are shamelessly exploiting, obviously, the uh, upcoming fifth-year tragedy of 9-11, which we can talk about shortly and probably we'll talk about next week, and they deserve brain damage awards. Um, we need to have a reasonable debate about uh, Iraq, Iraq policy. Uh, we've pointed out that it's uh, almost impossible for America to withdraw from Iraq while Bush remains president uh, because he simply cannot afford to allow um, an incipient sectarian violence situation to... Um, Spin out of control. Uh, into any further a, out of control. Yeah, any further out of control. And it's already out of control. The documentation um, 
regarding the deterioration of security in Iraq is, is astonishing. And uh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for the United States government or Donald Rumsfeld. Well, and of all the political uh, metaphors that uh, are at the disposal of uh, such people as Rumsfeld, the Munich appeasement is the most shop-worn yeah. of them all. Um, that metaphor analogy was used uh, for the first Gulf War, that if we don't go in and get Saddam out of Kuwait, blah, 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 even though even in that instance there were some bizarre uh, precedents, uh, these seriously confused mixed messages of U.S. ambassador to Iraq at the time, April Glaspie, and her so-called apparent green light message to Saddam, who, of course, was our friend, our ally, our strong man. Not a dictator, a strong man. And, of course, as Frank Rich pointed out in his column, it was Donald Rumsfeld uh, who is, uh, had those photo sh- opportunities with uh, Saddam Hussein himself. So maybe uh, he should look in the mirror when he talks about incipient fascism and appeasers. Indeed. And, in, of course, the fascism is uh, what we critics of the Bush administration are witnessing here at home. It's not... Uh, the terrorists that uh, compare themselves to fascists, it's actually the Bush administration's government policies, secrecy, um, Guantanamo Bay, Abu Ghraib, um, declassifying and classifying documents uh, so that freedom of information doesn't flow as it should, uh, the inability of Congress to check uh, both executive and militarism and military power, and, of course, uh, corporate power that continues to increase uh, with no end in sight and a kind of mythology that uh, American corporations are out there looking for your best interests, i.e., you, the worker. Uh, We have soft fascism here in the United States. The terrorists are not so organized. They are a conglomerate of disparate uh, elements They're not unified in anything other than perhaps their hatred of America and Israel and, of course, opposition um, to American militarism through the the tactic of terrorism, which is a tactic. It's not an ideology. Right. And Bush, of course, threw that word around again, ideology. There is no ideology of terrorism. Uh, Terrorism is not an ideology. It is a tactic. As evidenced by the fact that it can be employed by any and all, and historically has been. And indeed, if you go back and check out the uh, regimes of Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, uh, they used the war on terror in their own uh, totalitarian uh, ways, uh, methods, their own ideology, their own use of propaganda, disinformation, and uh, other uh, various forms of snow jobs to uh, enhance the power of the regime. The Bush administration continues to want more power. Uh, Why they deserve more power, given their incredible record of incompetence, is something that they refuse to answer. And Congress has been appropriately characterized by a recent um, defense critic of the uh, Donald Rumsfeld war in Iraq. He's not entirely responsible for the whole operation but as he has aptly pointed out, Congress, we used to have hawks and doves in this country. Now we have, quote, the silence of the lambs. Well, those lambs are in Congress. They're not asking enough questions. Yes, there are some Democrats that are finally um, raising some issues, 
long overdue, and uh, Donald Rumsfeld, as one critic pointed out, should probably spend less time giving um, idiotic speeches to the veterans of foreign wars and spend more time on uh, cleaning up the mess things happen untidiness is, is how he characterized the looting initially right. well it's in iraq it, it's also and, and who knows to what extent uh an attempt might have been made and and then uh thwarted but uh one would think that somebody amongst the organization there at the vfw i know historically it's a very right-wing organization might have stood up and called rumsfeld out on the cuts that had been made to uh, health packages and family uh financial support uh, for the veterans of the current uh, conflict. Uh, well, I'm going to give a quick brain damage award here to uh, University of Michigan's president, Mary Sue Coleman. Uh, just a simple thing here, not a major big deal, certainly not in the realm of uh, Rumsfeld's uh, misdeeds, but just for a, a pathetic and unimaginative uh, metaphor uh, in her uh, address to the incoming class of freshmen. She says, like the iPod. Think of the iPod. The U of M is your iPod. <laughs> and I wonder if she's received some corporate kickback for this. Like the iPod, the University of Michigan will transform the way you see and hear what the world has to offer. We will make you want to jump, shout, grab the person next to you and say, check this out. Well, there's all sorts of problems with that metaphor, and I don't want to take the time or waste the time of the program to uh, delineate them. But it's it's just a feeble attempt to kind of connect with the youth on uh, it, it's a, it's all it's a toy. Yeah. I, mean, I would hope that the University of Michigan is more than a digital box that replays what you program it to play. You know, whatever your pop selections are, whether it's Britney or Christina or Sunra, hopefully you'll be downloading iPod uh, material from WCBN while you're here at U of M. But uh, uh, just a really shallow and flimsy uh, analogy there. Yeah, she should have um, stuck to Forrest, Forrest Gump, you know. Life is a box of chocolates. That might have been more what your U of M experience is like. Indeed. Dark. And melted chocolate. <laughs> well, one other quick brain damage award, and this is for the uh, celebrity news column in the Ann Arbor newspaper. A short item last week uh, about, well, I'll just read the headline, Party to Honor Mercury Draws Fire. And the entire article is about a Muslim leader in Tanzania who has criticized plans to honor late queen, the band, frontman Freddie Mercury, with a huge beach party this weekend. Uh, the article goes on to note that Mercury died of AIDS, and according to this Muslim leader, Freddie Mercury violated Islam and blah, 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 blah. And it goes on, Mercury, who acknowledged being gay, was born in Zanzibar when the country was still a British protectorate. This article, although it appears to be about a big beach party for Freddie Mercury, I would argue is actually an attempt for the celebrity editor here to malign Islam. Because your average reader, who might not know anything about Freddie Mercury, or even the British protectorate protector Tanzania, 
probably doesn't know why this Muslim leader is saying these things about Freddie Mercury. They, the average person might just think, oh, that's typical Islamo-fascism. They hate rock and roll. They hate the weird sexuality of Freddie Mercury, and so they're haters. It's, it's another attempt to depict Islam as a hater religion. Well, in fact, Freddie Mercury uh, was born to Iranian parents, so I'm sure that the Ayatollah was horrified uh, at, at uh, Freddie Mercury, and, you know, okay, that's, that's a perspective. But the article doesn't really tell you why this Muslim leader had these things to say, because he lives in this country, because Freddie Mercury uh, was one of uh, a small, uh, was actually Zoroastrian uh, refugees uh, fleeing Iran because of religious persecution and ended up in uh, southern Africa. So, okay, I'm not going to defend Freddie Mercury against the charge of having violated Islam. That's not my call to make. But that article is as much about vilifying Islam as it is describing Freddie Mercury's posthumous beach party. Well, thankfully, they're not reclassifying Mercury as a planet. That's what I thought you were for. Oh. <laughs> Well, the reason I mention it is because in today's Ann Arbor News, there's a, a large story which is probably reprinted from one of the bigger national papers. Uh, this is Sarah Crush's, Crush's article. Hostility lingers since 9-11, say Arab Americans, uh, that uh, many still feel hostility. And, uh, well, the political cartoons that we see in our own local paper. Last week we saw a pretty explicitly racist cartoon, uh, again, vilifying people of Arab descent, I've said uh, before, it's the last socially acceptable form of anti-Semitism. And this is something that uh, Americans need to be on the lookout for. Um, and it, it kind of jibes interestingly with today's headline that uh, despite all this fear and paranoia about our you know, Muslim fellow citizens, uh, terrorism prosecutions drop. That uh, nearly four in ten of... Uh, Let's see here. Nine out of every ten uh, in the eight months ending last May, justice attorneys declined to prosecute more than nine out of every ten terrorism cases sent to them by the FBI, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Nearly four in ten of the rejected cases were scrapped because prosecutors found weak or insufficient evidence, no evidence of criminal intent, or no evident federal crime. So again, all these people who are under lock and key at places like Guantanamo and the various mysterious secret uh, CIA interrogation centers around the world. So far, the ones that have come to trial, they've led to nothing. Well, they've led to nothing, but it's interesting how um, the Bush administration has exploited um, the, quote, war on terrorism to distract the public from other pressing issues. Uh, Keith Olbermann, uh, one of the few people on television, had an interesting catalog of these coincidences in which um, generally either John Ashcroft or Tom Ridge held sort of spectacular news conferences claiming great victories on the war on terrorism that uh, turned out not to be such. Um, some of these coincided with... Uh, the Democratic uh, conventions of, in 2004, and some of them were related to uh, damaging information regarding uh, Abu Ghraib, um, in which generally John Ashcroft and uh, Tom Ridge, who formerly was the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, 
uh, have exploited uh, this fear factor that uh, is uh, a frequent playbook used by the Bush administration uh, systematically to um, basically ratchet up the fear. And uh, the, the facts are minimal in terms of actual terrorists that have been caught or and or prosecuted successfully. As the Harper's Index noted many um, months ago, I think the average sentence um, for somebody convicted of terrorism was 14 days. Many of these have turned out, by the way, just to be merely um, <coughs> immigration violations. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, this is it's actually the median sentences. I'll just uh, mention this uh, real quickly. This is from a Harper's Index from 2005. It says the number of 701 arrests under Britain's Terrorism Act since 2001 that have led to conviction 17 number of U.S. residents convicted of, quote, international terrorism between the fall of 2001 and 2003, 184, median sentence given in days, 14. So median means half were more than that right. and half were less than that. So um, how many terrorists these uh, folks are actually catching and under what circumstances they're catching them uh, remain a little unclear. This is part of the ongoing secrecy of the Bush administration. Their policy is trust us. Uh, we know what we're doing. We're making you safer. Um, well, and some people actually go for that and, you know, believe it, thinking that, well, what they're doing must be working because there haven't been any attacks since 9-11. Yeah. Very common argument. A pretty flawed logic. For a number of reasons, as we can probably t talk about more specifically next week regarding the 9-11 end of that uh, argument. And, of course, they always use this other bogus argument that uh, we're fighting the terrorists over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Well, their capability of coming over here is minimal. I've always said, why on earth would the terrorists, if they really wanted to attack Americans, come up with convoluted, complex plots when they can easily go into any uh, gun store in America and buy pretty much military-style rifles. They could just go into a mall and shoot people down if they wanted to, but uh, they're not so inclined um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and, of course, there's all sorts of very odd things that the government, the so-called um, Department of... Uh, alcohol, uh, tobacco, and firearms are uh, doing regarding pandering to the NRA and some of those policies uh, in which uh, police forces can be now accused apparently of terrorism if they uh, keep databases on gun dealers. It's, it's remarkable, some amazing things that are going on in this realm. Unbelievable stuff. Um, and, of course, over there in Iraq, you know, they're, they're using very uh, simple... Um, roadside bombs and, of course, AK-47s. There have been a variety of articles in the recent uh, last couple of weeks, actually since a lot of the sort of mid-decade census uh, information has come out about the continuing, um, shall we say, mediocrity of the American workers' status regarding uh, where people are at in, uh, in uh, workerdom land. Um, for instance... In late August, uh, we had an article uh, based on census information about the American worker. I just wanted to mention a couple of these uh, 
things in the final uh, minutes here. I'm sure you have some other stuff in that regard. For instance, the median hours worker wage has declined 2% since 2003. The drop has been especially notable, economists say, because productivity, the amount that an average worker produces in an hour, and the basic wellspring of uh, living standards for the nation as a whole, has risen steadily over the same time. As a result, wages and salaries now make up the lowest share of the nation's gross domestic product since the government began recording data in 1947. Um, I've talked in recent shows about the disparity of income um, and how the uh, top 1% now have the greatest share of national wealth since the Great Depression, since 1929, since records uh, have been created. And, of course, you know, we just recently had a jobs report uh, that showed that 128,000 jobs were created in August, so to speak, uh, the uh, unemployment rate ticked down slightly. Bush used this news to go out there and talk about how great the economy is doing. But, of course, the 128,000 new jobs is less than the uh, growth in population. And once again, um, as uh, Eduardo Porter reported in Saturday's New York Times, wages keep treading water, <laughs> or as he put it, kept treading water. Uh, inching up two cents in August, about 3.9% higher than a year earlier. While the government has not yet released pricing data for August, inflation has been topping 4% in recent months, so it's unlikely that increases in pay will be swallowed up by rising prices. So uh, there are all sorts of things um, going on uh, for the American worker as, as, as we're in Labor Day. We're seeing defined pension benef benefits uh, declining. We're seeing um, uh, less and less uh, companies offering health care insurance. They just had an alarming report in the Census Bureau now that the number of uninsured Americans is up to 45 million uh, and that uh, as many as 70 million uh, are without coverage during certain parts of the year for a variety of reasons. So many of these so-called new jobs that are being created simply don't come along with the accompanying benefits that workers used to uh, expect and receive. For instance, in today's um, New York Times, yet another um, story about the uh, declining uh, pay that uh, college um, graduates have uh, experienced in recent years. Uh, College graduates' pay has fell 7.3% between 2001 to 2005 for entry-level positions. Of course, tuitions have all gone up, so student loans, difficult to pay back. Indeed, that's the subtitle, lower wages, rising debt, and no benefits. <laughs> that is what's going on in corporate America. And there was an excellent uh, editorial by um, Mr. Jackson of the Boston Globe detailing how... Um, Military personnel in Iraq, they make about $25,000 a year. Corporate CEO for the military contractors, millions of dollars a year. Uh, the Iraq war is a massive diversion of cash um, from American taxpayers to defense contractors. It's a scandal. It's an outrage. Uh, more needs to be uh, focused on this problem. 
Well, you've uh, mentioned the statistic there that 128,000 jobs were gained. Uh, I'm not sure if the article details how many jobs were lost and what kinds of jobs those are. Uh, very important information to kind of keep that 128,000 in context. Well, most of them, ironically, were in the in the field of education, and of course, that's just in reference to seasonal hiring that occurs in August due to right. the fact that schools open up. Yeah, and uh, of course, here locally, we've got Detroit public teachers on strike. The uh, professors at Eastern Michigan University have gone on strike, essentially. Uh, largely over benefits and uh, a wage package which uh, puts them about even with uh, high school teachers. Now, being a high school teacher myself, uh, you know, it's, you would expect a professor would make more than a high school teacher. Um, there are work speed-ups everywhere. You know, even here at the University of Michigan, there are, whether it's in the library or the hospitals or whatever, uh, people being asked to do the work of more than one person. I mean, that's some people are doing the work of seven or eight. And uh, even though uh, the governor has signed into law this uh, new policy that all uh, state schools in Michigan cannot begin classes until after Labor Day, uh, the argument is that this will give everybody a last weekend to go up north and spend some of their tourist dollar. I think it probably has more to do with the Chamber of Commerce's desire to hold those low-page teenage workers uh, for one more week. Um, I may be wrong about that, but uh, that's my theory. Um, up north, the tourist industry, the restaurants here in town, if you know anybody in the restaurant business, uh, they're s- struggling sure. in, in a lot of cases. Up north, a lot of hotels and uh, tourist resort type things uh, with very, very low uh, customer bases this year, some of them for sale. So uh, obviously uh, I'm not a person who blames uh, Governor Granholm for that. We had a Governor Cream Puff who pretty much ran the state into the ground for uh, about a decade. And uh, certainly that can't be undone in four years. But uh, the extra security costs that states are being asked to uh, bear the burden of in the wake of this high security phobia uh, nation that uh, the Bush administration wants us to become, that has an impact on things like schools Mm -hmm. because states have only so much money to spend, and if they are being asked by the federal government to cover more of the law enforcement, especially here in Michigan where we've got uh, an international border as part of our state boundary, those are security costs that uh, at one time were met by uh, the federal government. Now that's money coming out of the, well, here in Ann Arbor, we've had closings of fire stations. Um, so how safe are you really when uh, the schools are underfunded, the local uh, safety and emergency uh, agencies are going through shutdowns. Yeah, and just remember, the minimum wage is at the lowest level in terms of purchasing power in 50 years, and recently, of course, the GOP linked an increase to the minimum wage to a massive um, tax cut for estates. Uh, These bills failed because there were enough Democrats and moderate Republicans that opposed them. Uh, This is fiscally irresponsible, and there should have been a separate vote on the minimum wage because it simply has not been raised any time, almost in a decade now. Uh, In the closing minutes, I wanted to mention, by the way, next week we'll talk a little bit about 9-11, 
the anniversary, but there's going to be a film series down at the uh, Blind Pig for the next four Sundays, uh, late at night, uh, next week on the 10th. This actually starts at 11.45. You can check out some of the films about the, it's called the Disclosure Film Series. And while I haven't seen these particular films, some of the films regarding all of the facts regarding 9-11, I don't know, still need to be illuminated upon. I noticed you've got a book there called Unanswered Questions. So um, go down to the Blind Pig and check this out if you're so interested. This is occurring in four consecutive Sundays, the first two at 11.45 p.m. I'm assuming that these will be shown on the wall. And um, check out that film series called the Disclosure Film Series, a critical look at the events.